So it's actually Tuesday, so you know what that means. It's TV Tuesday. Spirekins Podcast, where we talk about new and recent TV shows and tell you our thoughts about it. I'm your host, Zan. Say konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? Hey, it's Greta. Back again. It's been a little bit of time since you've been on a TV Tuesday. I think two weeks, even though you're on for a little bit of the first episode. You were not on at all last week, where we talked about some interesting shows, and one which I really felt you should have had some input on. But I, I have been busy. I am sorry. It's the beginning of a new year, and you have a lot to do. A lot to do. So let's actually get to it. Because So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spirekin is some podcasts and reviews about connecting enhanced narratives, where every episode we talk about one or two geeky topics, and we tell you the pros and cons about it. Since this is TV Tuesday, obviously we're talking about television shows, things you can watch on streaming or on actual cable television. We tell you how the actors are, the overarching plot, if it's worth investing your time in, or if you should avoid it like the plague. You can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N, and I guarantee you'll find us one way or the other. Also remember to join our Discord at tinyurl.com forward slash S-P-I-R-A-D-I-S-C-O-R-D, where you can recommend new TV shows for us to watch, or just converse on the shows we're already talking about. So... This week is kind of weird because a lot came out this week that's not traditional TV. Like, one show is traditional, but most of it's a lot of game shows. Yes, but different types of game shows. Some are revitalizations, and some are, well, we'll get to it. So, there were some good shows that happened. And there's one show which we're going to have for an entirely separate episode because we watched the entire thing. That was a Netflix original series based on a novel series. We're talking about we're talking about Bridgerton. I love it. I couldn't help but watch the entire thing. Um, not all in one sitting. Um, Zen made me turn it off for a bit. It was over a few days, but marathoned it because it's wonderful. Somebody else on... The internet said that it's they're trying to replace Pride and Prejudice. I don't think that's going to quite happen. There's a little too much uh, grown-up content, I think. It could totally cross over Pride and Prejudice. It's totally crossover, but it's definitely for grown-ups. It's, it's for adult audience, but we're going to have our own discussion about that in an upcoming episode, which is its own standalone. So we're talking about five shows. And one of them I'm going to do alone because, well, well, no, we'll just insert it later. And I'll edit that part out. So we're going to talk about, in going in reverse order, as usual, we're going to be doing Zoe's uh, Extraordinary Playlist. We're going to talk about Episode 3 of The Watch. We're going to talk about the Episode 4 of The Stand. We're going to talk about The Hustle. And then we're going to talk about Name That Tune. And also we'll talk about Mass Dancer Episode 2. And as usual, how this works is the first half of our show is spoiler light. We just give our initial thoughts. And then after the music, we have our spoiler heavy section. So if you haven't watched these shows, once the music starts, feel free to stop listening, watch the show, and come back and listen to the rest of it. So now let's get to it. So first off, we're talking about the season premiere of Zoe's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist Season 2 titled Zoe's Extraordinary Return and this is the beginning of season two after that heart-wrenching season one ending with the death of her father and this show I love it gives me all the feels I cry I laugh I'm in it 
So for those of you who've never seen this show before, the concept is that uh, Zoe is a Silicon Valley worker who one day, due to an accident, ends up being able to hear people's inner thoughts in song. She calls it But not just hearing it, she sees it too. Sometimes people break out in flash mob dances where only she can see it. And this has led to her understanding how people feel, what their problems are, and helping resolve people's issues. And like I Including said, her own. Yes. Uh, at one point, it flips where she starts thinking her problems and her thoughts in a very awkward sequence, which is funny and horrible. Where she just can't help but sing it, and everybody else can hear it, and it's happening. And it's pretty annoying, and more importantly, it's like during a really crucial point in her job when her boss shows up, and she's singing to him, and it's like, wow, most jobs would fire you. But It's kind of like that dream you have when you're in school, naked, except it's not a dream. Pretty much. And it's cool because she sees this happening and no one else could see it. And like she'll say, I see this whole thing. And her friend's like, I don't see anything. I just see people standing around doing nothing. But she knows what they're thinking. And so this new season is dealing with, like I said, the repercussions of that last season. How it ended. It's dealing with her grief, her returning to normalcy, and more importantly... You know, she's coming back to work, her family dynamic... She's emotionally drained, still not over grieving for her, the loss of her father. And she has to deal with a bunch of changes. Um, not going too hard into spoilers, but one of them is, a couple of them are life-changing. Also throwing the fact that her brother and sister-in-law have a new child in the house. And then there's her mom. Because the previous season they were pregnant, getting yes. ready for the baby. And this season, also, her mom is dealing with the fact that her husband She lost is her dead. husband, and yeah. And she has to deal with all those things that you deal with, like having to remember passwords. And it's a bit tragic, but it does have a light side to it, especially when her powers activate, and it kind of helps you see what's going on. I gotta say, it's a good start. I do feel that some things are not... It's not as powerful as the first season opener. Oh, you know, okay, so non-spoiling, in the preview for it, you see that there's a Hello, Dolly song and dance. And coming from one of my absolute favorite musicals, the absolute favorite song in that musical, I thought they did a great job with it. This was everything I wanted it to be. Oh, the musical numbers are perfect. Uh... No, but, like, for the first episode, too, like, how do you come back from them losing their father? Like, this... This is everything I wanted. Like, I like the way that this is the intro to season two. This is the, we're picking up where we left off. We've all had some time, but we're still hurting. It's still, I loved all of it. Stop what you're doing. Watch it now. Yes, this is a stop what you're doing. Watch it now. We're going to see how this goes. Give it a three episode try. Maybe watch it longer. We're going to see. So from here, we're going to get to the watch episode three, which is called The What?, is a little bit better than the last two because this one sets up a lot more going on based on the big history of what was going on. The big MacGuffin that they're looking for, they're now going to have to investigate. And half this episode is really cool. The other half, kind of weird, but it makes sense. Um, what Overall, what do you think about the this episode compared to the other two? I think it was a little better. Because they, they built it to do setup for us to get to this point. 
Yeah, even though it is very punk rock and that's language I'm very 50-50 on, I am getting used to it and I'm liking it a little more. Also, Vimes is really starting to grow on me. The actor who plays Vimes seems more, he seems better. I'm still pissed off about the whole cherry thing, but that's, we're going to talk about that in spoilers. Uh, yeah, uh, this episode, pretty good, actually. This goes up. We might give this a fourth episode. The fourth episode, the, the trailer for the next episode looks hysterical. Uh, not yet. We'll talk about that soon. Um, so yeah, so this one worth. Uh, this is uh, not. This is worth watching at least once. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, kind of. And now let's actually get to the show, which I want to talk to you about last week, and I may go on, and that is the stand. Episode four, House of the Dead. Yep. And this was directed by two people, surprisingly, again. Or no, just one. It's, uh, no, two. It's Daniel Crudy and Bridget Savage Cole again. And this actually makes sense because the characters she's focusing on are the exact same characters she did last episode, which are Nadine, Glenn, and Nick. And this sequence in this episode, it's dealing more with the fallout from last episode. As we said, a stranger shows up. Now it's they have to tell the town what's going out and come up with a plan of what to do. Meanwhile, we're seeing more of what's going on with Nick and Tom. We see um, some of the sequences with Harold more so. It gives more thought into Harold's mind. And it also does something kind of tragic with some characters. It's really... I don't want to say it's fucked up, but... It's a sequence which it's it's dumbed down a little bit. Uh, so, first off, what did you think about this episode? Well, this is this is violence super well, except for one scene. It's violence light again. It's more violence light, and which I like because it's more. I want to know about the story. For me, it's not just blow him up, shoot him, kill him. Like there's other television shows. That's not something that I enjoy watching. So I like the more violence light because I want to know more about the characters. And I get the first couple episodes are always rough because there's so many characters. How do you introduce them all? Blah, 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 blah. You were ready to drop this after episode two. And I said, give it episode three. And episode three turned you around. Spoiler alert. I made Zan watch it this episode before I did because I didn't want any more of the... Gross stuff. I was seriously ready to walk away from it. Well, that was the last episode. This episode is... For me, I like Tom Collins. Tom Collins. Collins. 41 years old. He is developmentally challenged. Uh, he is a strong worker. Works hard. He... I love him. I want to give him a hug and take him out on a picnic and buy him a matching sweater. He is why I'm watching the show. He is not any of the other reasons. Not Glenn. Not Nick. They're all nice. I like the the boyfriend from You've Got Mail, who's the he plays the. Uh, You're talking about uh, smoker Craig guy. Kinnear, who's yeah. Playing, uh, Glenn, yeah. I like him. I like his attitude. What he's about. I like that he's artsy fartsy and intelligent. Um, I like different parts of different people. But overall, I could drop this show. But I like Tom Collins. I thought that you were you were liking some of the things, especially because uh, Nick is such a. Nick's story has been so pivotal, and he's had so many choices, and his choices are all the right ones. And we'll get. I into, do like Nick. We'll I do like that. Nick. But um, what do you, do you think about Harold's 
option of bettering himself and just throwing it away this episode. Harold's the creeper dude? Yes. I... I can see it. I'm disappointed in him. It confirms all of my initial thoughts and feelings about him, which is why I've affectionately named him Creeper Dude. Um, but he's just such a disappointment. He's I'm, a disappointing human being. I mean, you have to admit how... It, I mean, the show makes me feel very strongly about things, so... Which is good, but it it's his story you see, like... I get it. He's from a... Horrible home life. The girl he likes never likes him. He's creepy already. But on the same token, just to for mild spoiler purposes, she could have let him down a lot nicer than that. He wasn't getting the hints. True. I think she had to, like, put a nail in the coffin. Like, no, buddy, no, it's not going to happen. Otherwise, he would have still been trying and... I get it. Yeah. It just... And this episode sets up a little more, and we're now knowing about more about the threat of Las Vegas and the other group of survivors. And also we see some of the more depraved the individuals. Yeah. Um, they did change a lot from the book again, from the source material, but this one, it's a l- flowing a lot better than The Watch, and it's still making me want to check it out still. This is definitely a keep watching. It's in, it's interesting. This is a borrow friends, definitely a borrow friends uh, streaming account to watch it because it's a really good show, but it's not worth buying CBS All Access for a month. I can. You can watch it for free through various means of of manipulation with email accounts, or you could just wait for it to come out all one set and watch it. But it's, it's just a, it's not my cup of tea. I can live my life without ever watching another episode, but. I'm going to see this through to the end because there's nine episodes left. Or not nine episodes. There's five episodes left. So we'll see how it goes. As long as Tom doesn't die, I'm in it. We'll see where... We'll talk about more in the spoiler section. So next, one of the the, the few new TV shows that are... Shows, and this is a remake of an old show, and we're talking about... Name That Tune! Yes, they remade Name That Tune, a show which came out in... What was it? The 70s? And then there was a app that was called Song Pop. No, no, no. Song Pop was nothing to do with, with Name That Tune. Song Pop was different. This is... But I will say... It played parts of songs. So you had to figure out which one it was. Yeah, but it's not... I don't think it's the same thing. But Name That Tune, originally known as the 100,000 Name That Tune, came, came out in 1984 to 1985 with 195 episodes. That's fucking crazy. That means like two times a week or three times a week. Um, and now the new version, which is the 2021 version, it's got a very, um, mm, how would you describe the host of the show? She, I like her. We're talking about Jane Krakowski. She um, usually plays like the pretty mean girl that's not very intelligent. Most people know her from 30 Rock. As a host, she comes across as... How did she come across to you? I liked her. She comes across okay. She's not a host. She comes across as, I'm here, look at me. Like, look at Jane Lynch. I'm not a fan of Jane Lynch, but when she comes across, she has that 
look at like look at me and you you've listened to her like that commanding presence even ellen with her ellen's game of things she comes out but i like commanding. but i like that it's like not about her it's about the people it's like I, I like that. I don't. I like that it's not like a traditional game show host. Hi, this is something, and I'm so and so, so and so. It's like, hey, welcome to the show. Let's introduce you to our people. Yeah, I could see that. So I, just, I like that part. I'm just used to an older, like Peter Allen was the first host, and he kind of set up where like you listen and you you got it. This not she's not as a good, but. The other thing is the band leader, that was shocking. The band leader for the show is Randy Jackson from American Idol and He looks either weak. he has a tapeworm or he he's on chemo. He's lost a stupid amount of weight. He looks unhealthy. He looks like he You can tell he's like a good guy. There's a good heart in there. He's super talented, but he looks unhealthy. I'm concerned for him. Yeah, something's up. Uh it's we need a good grandma to go, like, make him a big stock of chicken soup and start feeding him bread. Yeah. But the first episode of this was very simple. It's you have your your people, your contestants show up. They have to guess. They have four rounds. And at the end, they have to bid for their numbers, get all But they kind of, like, right. bid each other out. I kind of like it. Yeah, they changed it a little bit, but still an engaging show. I don't think it should be an hour. Because you have two sets of contestants. You have the first set, then you have a second set. It seems... It's, oh, yeah. It should totally be half an hour. This should be a half-hour show. It shouldn't be two an hour show. It's They kind of blew their load with that, I got to say. They kind of overstayed their welcome a little bit. Interesting analogies you gave. Yes. I know. I know. But it's that's how it goes. Uh, I will say that the first contestant, he was it was neck and neck, and then because the one person got flustered, she failed miserably. And this isn't spoilers. We don't really need to spoil it because this is not like Masked Dancer or, or Dancing with the Stars. But she did take off her shoes with the host, and they tap danced. They did, which was kind of cool. It but, was cute. But yeah, we're going to just say... That felt like a behind-the-scenes moment. This one is a have-on in the background while doing something else, and then just listen to it. Absolutely. That's it's it. kind of a feel-good background. Clean your house. Work on your hobby. And you could hear some good music. Well, okay music. They're covers of songs. They're not the legit songs. No, but I think the band and the singers are great. Yeah. I'm not going to go buy their covers of them, but I think they're great. Yeah. That is true. I think they're, t- I think they're talented. I, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, well, we're going to just stay at that. Have on in the background while you're doing your crafting. And now let's get on with the next one. The one that you've been so excited to talk about. The Masked Dancer. I like it. And this uh, episode two actually changed it up a bit. It made it more intriguing and you want to know more. One, Craig, uh, Craig Robinson is a better host than Nick Cannon. He's a hundred times more. I don't know if he's a fun. better host than Nick Cannon, but I like him more than no, Nick Cannon. No, he is a better host. He's funny, charismatic, quippy, and he's not um, as mean as Nick Cannon is. Nick Cannon comes to across Ken Jong. Just in general, he comes across kind of mean spirited at times. But I think it's just the baggies under his eyes. No, I think something else. I think that Nick Cannon, there's something else. He's got some issues, but. I want to see 
um, Mariah Carey show up on Mass Singer. That would be. Actually I want to see that fun. drama happen. That would be awesome. But so this season we have, as usual, our panel of judges. We have Ken Jong returning from Mass Singer and from Guess That Voice, and he's actually not being as stupid as he is in Mass Singer. He's being more analytical and thinking more. He's not more like, well, you know what? But that's because. He has a bit of an antagonism with Ashley Tisdale. Well, it's because they... They play they, off of each other They well. play off of it. So he doesn't have to fill the void of being the annoying Joker because there's other Jokers, so he can balance it well. Yeah, he could be more it's serious. A, I think it's a good group dynamic. Yes, I think that they flow a little better. Paul Abdul still looks like she had... Her, her work has been melting. She's had, no, but she's had good work. She has good work, but now her she can't like not smile. Like That Botox is... Like strong. Hi, how are you doing today? Fresh. She she does not sound like she could sing anymore. She sounds like she could move, but singing. I don't know if she could sing anymore. I hope she can. But she's more of a dancer than a singer. Hey, I happen to like uh, Straight Up in Cold Hard Snake, and uh, I didn't say she wasn't a singer. I said she's more of a dancer than a singer. I used to have my brother and I would listen to that album. We know that what we're talking about. Paul Abdul and Brian Austin Green. Well, it's Brian Austin Green. He's Brian Austin Green. <laughs> the fact that he's a rapper is kind of interesting, though. What? He was a rapper. He had a rap album. People use rap loosely. No, it's a legitimate rap album. But this first episode, I will say, is... Or, sorry, the second episode has a completely different group of people. We had the Sloth, the Ice Cube, the Zebra, the Cotton Candy, and the Moth. Yeah, we had Group B. And Group B, I gotta say, I liked them better than Group A. Even though Group A had a little more... Like, you could tell that they were more dancers. This one, they had a lot more heart. This isn't like Masked Singer where Group C was the D-list. No, this is just... They're dancers, and they're okay. Not all of them are dancers. No, not all of them are dancers, let's be honest. One, two of them were pretty bad. And I think it's hard to dance in costumes and things like that. But no, it's not. It's not hard. You look at most mascots. Most mascots. They dance really yeah, well. Yeah, but there's not a lot of them. It's hard. True. But some of those costumes are designed to be like, they're very slim and easy to do, and you can do a lot of tricks. Look at the um, cotton candy. That costume, it's ugly as anything, but it's designed to dance, and, and it's a well-done dance. I think she's a good dancer, though. Yeah. And zebra, that's not a costume. That's just coochie, 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 uh... Fringe. Fringe. So anyway, so yeah, so this one's still... It's a little better than the first episode. Uh, We'll give it two more, see how it goes. It's not as competitive as Mass Singer. We're not really vying for who's the best. It's This show is more like, who's getting kicked out? Yeah, I want to see who decided to put their face on national television dancing in a weird costume. Yeah, they need to figure... I think they need to hone this show a little more. Because this is not based on anything. This was... Well, that's not true. It's a spinoff. It was based off of a joke that Ellen DeGeneres did. And they're trying to make it into a show, unlike with Masked Singer, which is a spinoff of the original Masked Singer, which came out in India. And has been spun over so many times in Korea, in Japan, Russia, France, Australia... So, I don't know. 
we'll see how this goes. Uh, we'll talk more about our thoughts about the big reveal because that was actually we all knew it was that person. I didn't really know, but I was excited. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a bit. So now let's get to the final show that we're talking about, which is The Hustler, a new TV show brought to you by um, Richard Bacon and presented and hosted by Craig Ferguson, who is a very... I like Craig Ferguson. ...witty. He's very witty. And I like him very, very much. And he has fun with this. And for those of you, we didn't talk about the first episode because we were unsure about this. But the premise of this is that there are six individuals, or sorry, five individuals show up. One of them is lying. And uh, it's a trivia game. And every single trivia question is related to a clue about the person who does this. And they're trying to guess who it is. The, the hustler knows the answers to everything. Yes. But the hustler can't play their hands because if they're guests they lose all the money but if they win they get all the money so it they they start off with six people there's a couple eliminations where the hustler gets to eliminate people through secret ballot or you know whatever however they do that but when it gets down to the end there's three contestants left one of them's the hustler who we don't know they're all trying to figure it out and i like that the host craig ferguson also doesn't know who the hustler is so they take it down to the end. One of them is a hustler. The two non-hustler people, there's a twist. If the hustler wins, they get all the money. But if the two non-hustler people can identify who the hustler is, then they split the money. So it's either the hustler gets everything or the, the two non-hustlers Or the two other get people it. get to split it. But they have to guess with a ballot at the end. And the first episode... It was, first off, the group was amazing. Very intelligent. Knew what they were talking about. You didn't know who the hustler was until the end. And then, because they'd, they banked $140,000 yeah. in the first game, which is really impressive. So, And the two people picked the hustler, so the two people got to split it. Which is great. The second episode, well, the first episode was titled, A Puzzle Wrapped in an Enigma Tattooed in Mystery. Kind of cool. It's a statement that Craig Ferguson says. All the... Titles are statements he said. So the second episode is titled, Have You Ever Stabbed a Melon? Have You Ever Stabbed a Melon? And that was part of one of the... Questions. Yeah. And the second episode, let's just say the group was not... Their synopsis weren't firing as fast as group A. It's not who I would pick to play a trivia night challenge with no um they ended the night with eighty thousand dollars banked before the final part and that's after the money was doubled but oh that's a spoiler i'm not gonna say it oh yeah oh the other thing is in the last question they double the money or they half the money depending if you get it right or wrong so they doubled the money but they had like thirty thousand dollars after 10 questions that's they had forty thousand dollars because they got the last question right but they doubled it to eighty out of nine questions, they got three right, with the hustler knowing the answers. Yeah, but that was like the strategy that the hustler was playing, like letting some questions go by. I don't think that at all. This hustler, I don't think that was her strategy at all. Like she said, like they. I said, think it was. They were a bad liar, and they were like trying to be like, uh, you know. They Let, didn't want to get caught. They didn't want, and also there was a big shadow, with one player who was not the hustler but seemed like the hustler. Which but, was their strategy. 
Which is the stupidest strategy possible. I was working. She seemed like just too much of a Karen. You just didn't like her enough. No, I did not. Uh, but the ending of it was that uh, the Hustler wins in that episode. And yeah. I know not to support, but this is another have on the background. Well, actually, no, no. This is one where you, you can watch it. It's intriguing. I don't know if it's going to keep being as fresh or not. I think we'll give it like one more episode. It's I think it's entertaining. I think you can still multitask with it on. It's not stop what you're doing and watch it right now. It is a mystery, though. And, and I love that Craig Ferguson is like they gave him a lot meant to be funny and witty and silly. And I love that he also doesn't know. He knows the answers, but he doesn't know uh, any of the other stuff. And he is somebody... But he doesn't know who the hustler is. Yeah. He has worked a lot of uh, game shows before. He did the Celebrity Name Game. He did uh, Join or Die with Craig Ferguson. And he's a very intelligent guy. I mean, he won the Peabody Award in 2009 for his interview with the South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he's... What I like is he doesn't take himself seriously, though, too. He doesn't. He doesn't, and he is, you know, I like it. He's charismatic, and it makes you want to, he's a great stand-up comedian, and you want to watch him just because it's Craig Ferguson. <laughs> so, we'll talk about that. And so, those are the five shows we're talking about. Let us know what you think, if you watch them or not, um, and stay tuned for the spoilers after the music. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening. Check out some of our other podcasts. And as usual, I'm Zen. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and Keep watching TV. See ya. Bye.
time. Whoop, whoop. So, because we did the five episodes and two of them we kind of spoiled, we're just going to go over the three big ones. And what are the three big ones? The, the Masked Dancer, we have uh, The Watch, and we have The Stand, or The Stand, then The Watch. And Zoe. Zoe. So we have four. Yep. My, num- my number game is not good, right? No, it's not. So let's actually start off with the mass dancer and wow, oh wow. Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yes. So Bill, Bill Nye the so Science Guy. Bill Nye was dancing as the Ice Cube, which would have been hysterical if the Ice Cube was Ice Tea. That would have been more funny. But yeah. And he walked, And Ken guessed it. Yeah, Ken knew it immediately. And he walked out like a pimp and Something new that they're doing is they're actually circling clues in the video now. Like, this one's really important. And it shows. Um, But he danced originally to um, Bad Romance by Postmodern Jukebox, and that was cool because he was doing a bit of soft shoe and a little bit of, well, it was kind of ballroom dancing. He was definitely having fun. That's the thing is he's having fun. He thoroughly enjoyed himself, and that's what I enjoy about this show. And it's funny because he said, he's like, he's like, why do you do this? He's like, because I love dancing. It's, and it's, like, it's nothing with, he's not winning it. He wants to dance. And that's a great thing. And I like that, that he enjoyed to dance. It wasn't a stupid reason why he joined it. Um, for the other dancers, we had Sloth, who came out. I like that Sloth, he, he's wearing, uh, it's a sloth. So one of the laziest creatures on the planet or slowest creature on the planet. And he's wearing workout, workout clothes. clothes. And I thought the sloth's dance was really cute. I think the sloth is a good dancer. So he's dancing to what I like about you by the romantics. But and, I liked his... And his, his set is he's the sloth. So you can constantly, whenever you see him walking out, he's acting like he's tired or it's, it's making him winded. And in the, in the dance, he's at, like a, he's at a, not a, he's at a gym. And he's trying to do all the exercises, and he gets tired or he falls apart. So he's, He has to go, like, wipe his brow, drink some water. Like, when you first see him, he's sleeping in a chair, and then he wakes up, and he has a, a plastic cup full of soda. And then he does all the stuff. He's like, what I like about you? I really know how he's starting to dance. But it's, like, super... I, I like it. It looks like he's having fun. He has embraced the character. Um, he does look a little chubby. No, but that could also be the character... True. So costume. I have no idea who he is right now, but I, I'm excited to see him again. Uh, you have the zebra who is dancing to Sagalaha by Sergio Mendez. And um, I think Latin it's, flair. A lot of Latin flair. A lot of just... Uh, I think it's Joey Fatone. I don't think... I think it might be Ricky Martin. I think Ricky Martin's a better dancer than that. Uh, he might be downplaying. And also, he is older. But who knows? But he's a good dancer. Very swishy. And the costume... The costume is very Spanish. Very... The, the costume's Caribbean. very flapper. It's very Caribbean. It's fringe. Yeah. And who would know fringe better? Than Ricky Martin? Good point. Uh, then we had the Cotton Candy, one of the two ladies of the week. And I love cotton candy. I'm not in love with this costume. Yeah, the costume is kind of horrifying. It's like, when you think cotton candy, you think white. You think uh, No, pink. I think multicolored. Think, I think fluffier. 
No, it, it was like nasty cotton candy. I would have liked fluffy pink It looked like and white. old cotton candy. Like when cotton candy is in humidity and the outside starts to get kind of nutty. Yeah. That's what it looked like to And me. also the face is horrifying. It's like they tried doing the ice cream cone's face and put it on there. The ice cream cone from Damp Mask Singer. It had failed miserably. <coughs> it needs its own face. It doesn't need like it's a stick-on face and... But, despite the horrible design... But that's not the critique of the dancer. As a dancer, she was amazing. She was dancing to Glitter in the Air by Pink, and it showed that early on, she got in an accident the day before and fell off the ring that she was dancing on. And most people would not have come back to dance after that. I would not have. she stuck it out. Yes. Uh, we think older dancer, probably. Or experienced dancer. We think experienced dancer. We think definitely professional. Yeah. And then last but not least, we had the moth, who had a pretty okay design. The moth is tall. Uh, not a dancer. Uh, she was dancing line dance to uh, the Boot Scoot Boogie, which I don't like. I hate that song, but whatever. Uh, I don't like country very much. Some songs I like, but for the most part, I don't like country. And it was just, I didn't like it. And the fact that it was a line dance, that, was, that felt lazy. It felt really lazy. Like, everyone else is inputting their own dance. Even when Disco Ball, Ice-T last week, was dancing. He had a bit of a line dance, but it wasn't the focus of the of the uh, dance. This was from the beginning. I'm like, I saw, I was like, this is a line dance. And that's what she was doing. Yeah. It was a line dance the entire time. It, you need more movement, more, more personality to it. So, I don't think the moth should last longer. I think the moth should have been kicked out next. But it was cool seeing Bill Nye and the fact that Ken got it right and he was so happy about it. He's like, oh my God, I never get these right on the first try. But he nailed it. He nailed it. I hope he does get a couple of the other ones right. They should have marked out who got what, who voted. They did not. Um, I'm sure they're keeping track. So there's only 10 contestants. This is going to be a half season, just like uh, The Hustlers, only nine episodes. So this is going to be quick. Uh, next episode, I think, will be a mixture of the groups. Hope the next episode... Oh, they actually are mixing up the groups. So, uh, next episode is going to have Cotton Candy, Moth, Sloth, and Zebra again. Oh, no, it's just Group B. And then Episode 4 is going to have the Tulip, the Hammerhead, the Exotic Bird, and the Cricket. And we'll see how it goes. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes. What do you think? I like it. It's not, again, it's not stop what you're doing and watch this right now, but it's enjoyable. Yeah. So. It's having on in the background. Be prepared to rewind it to see if you missed something, but I think it's enjoyable. Now let's actually get on to the other show, which we're, we're excited to talk about, which is The Stand Episode 4, The House of the Dead. And this episode took a lot of important story elements from the stand and updated them and moved them around. But the main thing is it sets up the fact that, one, the uh, town council, which in the book is seven, and in I talked about this last week, but book is seven and this one is five, they have to address to everybody what happened because everyone's asking what the hell's going on. And at first they say, Stu, you do it. You're charismatic because you got that southern accent. And I like that uh, when Franny says, 
yeah, yeah, a little bit of an accent, and everyone's like, a little bit. And then you see even Nick is like, a little bit, and Nick's like, how the hell does Nick know? Right? Because he, he just agrees with everybody. No, he has his own thoughts, which I do. Yeah, but he can't hear. True. That part he can't. But then when Stu goes up there, he gets steamrolled by the crowd immediately. Well, he's the right guy to have up there. He's just not the right guy to run a crowd. You need an entertainer to pull the crowd back, deal with the deal with the heckler, get it back on track, and then give it back to the guy who needs to be speaking. And I like that uh, Freddie's like, who was the one that could speak in front of a like, oh, it's Who's the one that has the most experience in front of a crowd? And then Larry comes And then he gets it. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then he gets it all, pulls it back together, gives it back to Stu, and then we're all good. And I like that he, first thing he does, he's like, you got a good question. You asked about the incident, but first you asked about the power. And the power's coming back on in on Friday. First off, everyone in the power crew, stand up. And while we're at it, everybody in the body crew, stand up. Give and he a, recognizes people. He, he recognized everybody. He knew who everyone's name is. And that makes sense why Mother Abigail picked him to be one of the people in charge. Because he's someone who acknowledges other people's work. And he's charismatic. And Stu is that person who is very straightforward. And they admit, like, listen, we can't tell him everything. He's like, but what, do you want me to lie? And he's like, no, 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 you don't have to lie. But don't tell them more than you know. So he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't because they're afraid if they tell everyone the dark man is going to come kill them all, they're going to freak out. But instead, he says something happened. So what we're going to do is we're going to start a, a neighborhood watch, and they'll protect us. And I hope the body crew is going to join us. And the body crew is very excited. And then he said, other thing is, Mother Abigail wanted us to be in charge until we're standing up, and now we're standing up. So we're going to have a general election for who you want to be. And so who should be in charge? Who? Which makes sense. They talked about that early on. They weren't sure if they should be in charge. And who stands up? Creepy guy. Harold stands up and says, listen, I think I speak for everybody, Mr. Chairman. And I think that you should be uh, permanently in charge. Yeah, we nominate you. And this is before any... He had a motion. And I was all like, no, don't have a motion. Don't be the guy. I thought he was going to run for it. And it's an interesting twist because the thing is that he hates Stu. He despises Stu with a passion and he hates Franny because he can't have her. So why would he do this? And this is before any of the machinations and him being essentially tempted to betray the, the town. Why would he do this? Part of me thinks he's trying, like, yeah, he has the whole fake ensemble, I'm cool and awesome. But I think he actually, in the back of his head, is like, maybe I could like this guy I am. You know, I'll pretend to be this guy, this cool guy. Maybe I like who I am, and people will like me. I think... I think he is legitimately trying to make himself a different person. I think he like has the self-help book is trying. He's got the picture of Tom Cruise up on the mirror. He wants to be a better guy. He wants to be different than his life was before. And I think he's trying. I don't think he's succeeding. I think if he tried for something else, he would succeed at it. If he tried going for any of the other women or anybody else in the town, he would be 
a Don Juan. People would love him because most people do love him because he helped them find the, the city. Like he has redeeming factors, but again, why she shut him down so hard is because he's the type of creeper that you're like, no, I don't want to go out with you. But if you continue to be nice, he's going to still think he's got a chance. Which is what leads to the past when he straight up is watching her as she sleeps really creepily. And yeah, he, he's not being the watch. He's watching her sleep. And then he straight up says, listen, I love you. I won't think we should be together because look, the end of the world happened and it's just us. And she straight up says, I don't love you. I don't like you. It's like, it'll never happen. And he says, first thing he says before anything else is, is this because of Stu Redmond? Who they had just met like a week ago. And she's like, no, you crazy person. I don't like you. And then when he's like, fine, okay, cool. I get it. And she says, are, are we good? And he's like, yeah, we're fine. It's like. You're not fine. He's, she knows. He's honestly hurt. Of course he is. So of course he's honestly hurt. She should be like. Be like and she doesn't want to hurt him, but he's creepy. Creepy, creepy, and creepy I get, creeper. I mean, she should have said, listen, I'm not getting with anybody, and I know we're the only thing. I am pregnant. Tell him you're pregnant. She's afraid. She hasn't, she didn't tell anybody except for her dad. Who died. It's the end of the world. They haven't found a doctor, and she's pregnant. She's afraid. True. Like that I totally get. It's a little worrisome, but this leads to, uh, first off, you have, well, while this is going on, you have Stu, Kojak, and Glenn driving after Harold, and they see the tags and said, it's good that Harold's still doing this. We thought he'd give up. And he's like, so why are we going this way? He's like, because I think Harold would take the optimum route. And it's like, he's a type. It's like, yeah, he's a type. And this leads to a sequence which was done in the book very differently in the in the novel there's a sequence when you found that there's a bunch of military guys who've taken a essentially a harem of women to repopulate and they stumble across uh, across the group with uh franny and lloyd no uh franny and harold and then they do something kind of they try to kidnap him and Stu saves him they change it in this version to be one guy who is very just one guy who pretends to be dead, holds them up, and he tries to take Franny from Harold. But at first, he's like, "All right, you want her? You're gonna fight me. See if you're you're able to lead the pack. If you win, you get all the girls. I'll leave you alone. If I win, I'll kill you. Take her." And he's like, "What do you think about that snowflake?" And he fights, and Lloyd. Well, Harold has a gun on him, and he doesn't use it. He gets beaten in a submission while these two girls who he kidnapped and he ravaged are slowly getting ready to kill him. Yeah, that would have been... And it's heartbreaking because he's trying to be a defender for Franny, and part of me thinks... But he can't. And he's been beaten up before. He knows how to take a beating. It's It's not like that's not a question, but... This is why Franny's not going to fall in love with him. He can't protect her. He's not, you know, like an alpha male, beta male. He's like a E. He tr- he tries, and he gets his he ass He tries. Kicked. And then the guy is even like saying, all right, you took your punch, you made me bleed, I'm going to beat you up, and why are you looking at her for it? Look at me. 
He's gonna he's gonna straight up and he, he says, Watch me as he's gonna violate Franny and then Stu and Glenn show up in their car, he shoots them, and then one of the girls tries to take the gun away from him, gets her head blown off, and the other one beats him to death with a a piece of pipe. Because she's had it with all this, and it's it just makes And that's where she's at. She's like, I'm beating you with a pipe. Makes Harold look so weak in front of Franny, and Franny's devastated. And Stu and Glenn end up talking to them and explaining, we had the dream, we'll all go to uh, Hemingford home and see where it's all about. And that's where things change because you have one of the best relationships, which is Stu and Glenn. And Glenn is acting kind of like a father figure to Stu. And he breaks it down to Harold. And Harold actually is like intrigued when he says, listen, I see you're a man of science. We don't believe in this mumbo jumbo, but what if we're wrong? And as a man of science, don't you want to figure out what happens? Right? Yes. And it's a, it's a cool sequence, but also it does lead to Franny starting to like Stu. And then more importantly, we have Stu. Uh, Stu well, and Stu's a nice guy. Stu and Franny getting listened to by Harold, who's not happy. So um, let's get to the other parts. Uh, we have the whole Nadine talking to Harold and slowly tempting him. And she breaks Seducing it, him. She breaks it down and he's like, listen... I can't have sex with you, but we could do everything else. And for and lack of a better way of saying it, she gets him off. And she says, but listen, uh, for us to be together, for you to be a prince, for us to leave and you to become the prince that you are, we need to kill the witch and her three puppets, but you have to figure out how to do that. And when he, in the book, it's, oh, I'm going to make a bomb. Ta-da. In this one, they actually have him that they're now wearing... The, border, the ski patrol outfits and in there he finds a pamphlet which says that ski patrol um, takes care of avalanches with explosives so it gives him a reason to keeping everybody safe by using explosives to keep the and it's really cool it'll kill everybody so he's like okay I get some explosives but this also leads to him having to kill well he doesn't kill his best friend gets killed the one he's guy like that treated him friend. good yeah. It's because he stumbled upon Nadine and Harold getting the explosives. He's like, hey, what are you guys up to? Why aren't you uh, just checking to see you make sure everything's okay? And I think Harold could have talked him down, but Nadine just shoots him right there. And then he dies in Harold's arms and says, Hawk, why? Yeah. And it just, it's the first nail in Harold's coffin. Officially, there is no turning back. And Nadine is a horrible person, let's be honest. She's manipulative and horrible, and her reason is she's going to betray him immediately. Yes. And so we, let's get to the um, last one, which is we have Nick's storyline, which it also, well, there are two more storylines, but it's Nick. Uh, Nick is officially the voice of Mother Abigail, and we see him getting to Hemmerford home with Tom. And they took another sequence from the book and they lowered it down. And in the book, Tom gets sick. Uh, Nick has to get some medication. And he ends up meeting a crazy lady who pseudo befriends Nick. Wants to have sex with him. Actually does have sex with him in the book. And then afterwards she goes crazy when he picks Tom over her. In this one, they kind of stream it down that they're in a Costco or a, a big 
warehouse uh, they're store. They're a big box store some, of some kind. And uh, Tom is exploring. Nick is resting because they can't talk. And then they, get into, they meet the crazy girl who shows up later. And she's so happy she found someone. Then she finds out that Nick is deaf. And she's like, oh, a defo. Oh, but you're so cute. She's like, well, I've never slept with one of you before. And she's happy she found someone else. And then Tom shows she's up. She's very horny. Yeah. And, and Tom shows up and Tom is like, uh, sorry, it didn't mean look what I found. He found a little toy. And she insults him like twice. At one point she says, why don't you go drink some Drano? Yeah. And you see Tom first. He's like, she calls him a Phoebe. He's like, names like that are, are derogatory. And they're excited to um, have else. somebody who can read. So that Nick can talk back to Tom. So he wants her to read it. And she reads like she says. He, she's like playing those old mean schoolyard kid games of getting him to say I'm a retard. And it's just not it's not nice. She's a bad person. She said his name is Amar E. Tard. Right. And it's so sad. And he eventually says, no, 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 no. Say my name. It's like, his name's Nick. I'm like, he's Nick, the Nickster. He's so happy he knows his friend's name. And then uh, she insults him again. He walks off and she gets pissed off. And then she says at first, wait, 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 don't leave me. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be. And Tom stops and looks at her and he's like, he feels bad for her because she's alone and makes sense. But he's not. He, the thing is that he wasn't thinking about it for himself. He wasn't thinking about a pretty girl for himself. Right. He wanted to have Nick a girlfriend. Yeah. And Nick just grabs him and just turns him around and walks away. And then away. Tom hears the because she's like you of can't. the shotgun. Because she's like, nope, you can't hear that. Maybe something louder. And then it's them running away from a crazy lady shooting a shotgun. And Tom protects Nick. Tom's the best character. Tom for the win. And Nick is... And Nick, Tom and, Collins for president. And Nick is so happy that he's able to talk to his friend and they're just like... It's a great bromance. He's just so happy that he knows his friend's name. And Nick is happy when he actually sees him say his name and he's like, thank you so much. And as they're there, hiding from Crazy Lady, they turn around and they see the sign for Hemingway Home and in the picture of Hemingway Home is... Stephen King! He gets his cameo in a picture. And they get to Hemingway home, and everybody there is dead except Mother Abigail. And she is just talking to her dead friend saying, Yeah, I don't think anybody's coming. I think I'm going to die. We got no more water. And I think She's the like, pills I don't are think gone. I have any more pills. Because old people need pills. They need medicine. Yeah. And she sees uh, Tom and Nick show up. And she's like, and the and first she's like Nick, Nick. She's like Nick Andrews. She came and they get a hug. And then he's like, "You know me, right? I'm Tom from my from my head." She's like Tom Collins. She's like, "That's right. You know my name. I do know your name." M O O N. That spells Tom Collins. <laughs> she's Whoopi is, does such a great job with Mother Abigail. She's comforting, heartwarming, also all in business when she needs to be. The one in the 1990s version just came off as a decrepit old lady that was kind of creepy. I like that she's 
like crotchety, but when she's caring, she's really caring. And after they meet him, you see it zoom to the present, and you see Mother Abigail telling Tom, listen, I know it frustrates you that we can't do anything right now, but the Lord hasn't told me to do anything, so we have to stay... And wait. And wait. And then the next sequence is the council deciding because of this individual who showed up, they have to send spies to Vegas, which goes against Mother Abigail's orders. But they know what they need to do, and they know how to do it, and they just have to do it. And they pick three characters that are pivotal in the book. Well, one of them we met this episode, the girl who brained uh, the misogynistic asshole who's now a mechanic she's going in she'll probably get in in detail you have judge ferris who was a major character in larry's story arc who helped him get over his drugs and was a good like father figure was like the glenn figure for larry and she's an old woman in this and i like she knows that she's probably not going to come back yeah she says i I was like i know how this is going to end but i'm happy i'm going to do this and they need a third person to go, and they pick Tom. And in the book, he self-hypnotizes himself, and then he becomes God's Tom, which is like his smarter version. In this version, they don't need to do that. He understands, and he's straightforward, just says straight up, he's like... They're like, and they all know, they're like, he's gonna do it. And they tell him exactly what he needs to do. He's like, what do you say when they, they stop you? He's like, I came all the way from, from Nebraska. Woo! Go... Hoosiers or whatever it is, you know? And then he says, and what do you do? He's like, find out how many guns they have, how many people they have, and what they're going to do, and I come back when the moon is full. Woo! When the moon goes up? No, when the moon is full? F-O-O-M? That spells full. And then I come home. And I walk until the sun comes up. And I go towards the sun. When and the sun comes up, I go to sleep. No, sleep in the day, walk at night. If, someone, if, you, if the bad man sends you something, what happens? Hide. If it's and, just one of them, kill him. And he says, he's like, I kill him. And you're like, wow. And then you see the scene of when he's leaving. And it's so sad because he's like, he's like, I wish my main man Nick would come with me. And they're wearing matching sweaters. And it's like, it's, it's slight spoilers because this is a spoiler section in the book. This is the last time that Tom and Nick see each other in person. And it's so heartbreaking. I hope that they do change it in this version, but... I mean, Nick shows up as a spirit from... But that's if they do that route. I don't know if they are. But it's set up a lot. And... I gotta say... I'm very excited to see where this goes. I know the next two episodes are gonna be from the point of view of Las Vegas, so... Hopefully the spies make it, um, depending on how the book goes, because in the original book, things go very differently for the spies. Well, I don't know. I can take it or leave it with this show. I like Tom. The next episode is is going to be what's going on with Vegas, and we're going to get more of Lloyd. I think it's going to be rough. You think the next episode is going to be rough? I think it's going to be rough. I mean, in the book, like it's, for me. Oh, I mean, in the book, it's it's an or, Vegas is orderly. It's just more Sodom and Gomorrah. No, 
uh, flag runs it like kind of like everyone has a job to do even if you hate it. Everything has a place. Everything is good. It's more like Boulder is hippie is hippie commune and Vegas is kind of fascist city. But they may change it up. They may make it Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know. We haven't seen the show, but I'm well, tele- it's television and sex sells. So I would be surprised if it wasn't more seductive. Eh, we'll see. I think is how I'm gonna choose to put it. Um, and going back, what did you think about when Tom first shows up in the last episode? I like when Tom first shows up in the last episode. You like how he wakes him up and he's like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mister." I'm must, Tom Collins. He's like, your head must hurt bad. What happened? And he's trying to just tell him that he can't talk and he can't read. And he goes, my name is Tom Collins. Like, he's like, I always Did I tell you him. I didn't read? Oh, it's just so much to remember. Okay. My name is Tom Collins. And he's like, I'm sorry about your friend. And he's like, why are you, why aren't you talking? You tell me what you want instead of acting like you don't. Oh, oh, law! You can't hears me. He's like, oh, law! Why didn't the li- nice lady in, in my head tell me that, Mother Abigail? And what did you think about the sequence with Nick after he wakes up? Nick is such a good guy. I like when he after he wakes up, he takes care of the guy that lost his eye, lost him his eye. Yeah. And he's such a pivotal character, and you see, like, Mother Abigail, when she shows up in episode three, she straight up says, he's like, if you need to talk to me, you talk to Nick. Act like anything he says comes from me. He's my mouth. But the thing is that she fought for him to be her voice, but also Randall Flagg wanted him to be his voice as well. Yeah, because he's pivotal, but he's incorruptible. Randall Flagg just doesn't want good to win. So any if he could win over one of the good people, he'd be crushing it. If you had to put his chess pieces, where would you put Nick in the on the chessboard? Because if you say Mother Abigail and Rand, Randall Flagg are the kings. I'd want to say... He thinks of himself as a pawn, but I think he's a queen. It's a good, that's a good, that is a good, I think so too. I think he's the queen, and I think it's the queen that both of them were trying to get a hold of. And then when he couldn't get Nick, he got Lloyd instead. Because Lloyd is easy, and Lloyd is, is well, Lloyd, he's saved from, he, he has a debt of ownership where he's like, you are going to, He's like, you never betray me, and you stick by me no matter what. And he's like, okay, you saved my life. You got me some food. You got me out of prison. I actually know his queen is Nadine. His queen is Nadine. Yeah, And he planted that since she was a little girl. So then Nick would have been... This is a long game. So then Nick would have been the queen. Nick would have been probably a bishop or a knight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't play chess well enough to be able to pick a good. But overall, I think that episode three and four, these two episodes are the strongest episodes of the series so far, character-wise. But that's because also Nick's in it. Episode one set things up, but I think these are really good episodes. I just wish the series was linear, not this whole 
flashback bullshit. I... Because it's coming across choppy. I could still take it or leave it. I like some of the story aspect. I have no desire to read the book. It's not my kind of story. Because the only horrifying thing in the story is that... For, is well, actually the only horror sequence in the whole book. It's, it just describes people dying at the first half, but or first third. But the big thing is it's the whole... Um, it's the whole sequence in the Lincoln Tunnel is the scariest part in the whole book. Like, I think that you'd be fine with parts two and three. Parts two is when everyone's walking to Nebraska. Mm. And that's when everyone's meeting and then you have him meeting Tom and you have uh, Larry cleaning up. And then part three is in Boulder County and the stand itself. That part you'd be fine with. Just that first sequence is... I mean, it does build up Larry and talks about how he's a mama's boy. He came back to see his mom and he got his check for $150,000 for his single, the last single in the world, and then he comes home and his mom is dead. It's like, I pay my mom back, I could be a good son, and then she's dead, and that leads to him just going on a bender. And he's like, ah, fuck it. Cocaine? Sure, let's do it. He doesn't do cocaine in there, he just, he, he drinks in the, uh, he's, a, he's an alcoholic. Which brings up something, but anyway... So that's episode. So that's this is still uh, watch it. Uh, uh, borrow an account and watch it now. So now let's get to the watch episode three. So yeah. So now let's get officially into the third episode of the watch and talk about this because it's called the what. I do like that the opening that we didn't see in the first two episode. It's the title card and then they change the word to whatever the thing is. That's really clever and I wish they did that in the first two episodes. So, long story short, this episode builds up upon it a little more. So, we know that Carcer has a book which summons dragons, and the Watch has to find out what is this weird symbol in the in the book. Unfortunately, the only people who know what the symbol is, is the Assassin's Guild, or as Carrot so lovely wrote down on the wall. Ass Guild. Yes, and I think Lady Sybil loved the fact that it's the Ass Guild, because she has some issues with the Assassin's Guild. Uh, a little bit of petty revenge. Someone killed her parents years ago in this world. And this first part is really cool. And so they go, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to sneak in uh, when they're giving out the new contracts. And then whoever sneaks in is going to let us in through the side door because apparently the Assassin's Guild is connected to another guild next door. And there's a secret hallway between them both. Yeah. Good, good plan. Uh, so, but Lady Rankin wants to go, and they all know that she has issues with the Assassin's Guild. So like, say, no, 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 you can't do it. It's like, well, fine. You do it. We have 20 minutes. We have to get this to work. Yep. And so, first off, she ends up using evidence from her parents' death, which is the mask of one of the Assassin's Guild, to break into the Assassin's Guild. And they decide they're going to infiltrate through the guild, which is next door. And what guild is next door? They dress up like a bunch of punk rockers. And they proceed to sing a dwarven song about gold where it's every single language's word for gold. And on the one hand, it's like, this isn't this world. On the other hand, this is punk rock and it's actually really cool. So I'm kind of conflicted with this. And also, top it off, um, the other thing going on in this episode is Casser is spying on Vimes to see what he finds out by merging their memories together. So he sees what Vimes sees. And 
he first zooms in when they're in the middle of their session to get into the guild and they're like so what do you see did he find the sword he's like no he started a band and and they're just jamming out to it uh some other things happen uh the guy uh lady ramkin finds the person who killed her parents instead of helping vimes she goes after to kill him and then this is actually my favorite part of the episode i think as she's aiming to kill him someone shows up and's like hey so you're gonna pull the trigger and or not i i have things to do (laughs) who shows up and he was pretty chatty (laughs) I think he's the best character in the show. <laughs> he's very sarcastic and he's fun and he's but he is very me me me. It's like no one cares about my feelings. <laughs> like in the in the first episode he was like that. He's like, "Oh, are you going to beg and plead? That's not how this works. It's it's my time. Come on, Sam Vimes. You could do this." It's kind of it was kind of cuddly and I like how he's designed. It's not the skull that we're used to. It's just a blank sheet in the blue eyes. But I thought it was nice that she was like so, and she finds out. Of course he was. He's there for everybody, um, except for the period when he was technically retired. But that's a whole other book and <laughs> series. So she ends up not killing the guy, but she ends up arresting him because she's technically part of the watch. Not on murdering her parents because he had a receipt. On tax evasion. Because they can arrest you if you evade your taxes. And And I thought what was brilliant is the Assassin's Guild go kill them, but they can't kill them. No, they can't kill them because musicians guild. They can kill them if they're just the watch, but they're also the the, the musicians guild. It's like, so shit. Cool And this, and this is the part of Terry Pratchett's world, which it is. It is that very satirical, let's play the system. Hey, we're the cops. We're not allowed to do this, so let's play the system to make it work. Like, we can't arrest you for killing her, but we can arrest you for not reporting the money. And he said, how, do, how, how dare you break into our thing? We're doing a surprise inspection. We can legally do that. It's a new tall carrot. A carrot, yeah. They need carrot to know the rules so that they can... Yeah, they made Carrot, instead of being the idiot, now he's someone who has encyclopedic knowledge of all the rules, which is very different than how Carrot is, because Carrot's just Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, but he's not that smart. This They made him smarter, but more naive. They also had more Cherry involved. Cherry, eh, was being Cherry. Uh, I miss Detritus. I wish he was in this show better. You know, he would have been cool playing drums or something. Sure. But... No, did, I mean, because a big rock troll playing drums. I do. Yeah, but they got rid of him. I think it was him. Yeah, but I mean, they he's not supposed to be dead. He has a major part to play in the disc world. In the original books, the ones who die are a gnome and a goblin, who are two, like, they're like the Riggs and Murtaugh of the disc world, and they die in such a stupid way. But this one, eh. Uh, so this sets up a couple of other things going on. Uh... It's you see some of the inner proceedings, like how all of this is done by the book. Like when they're doing the minutes in the Assassins Guild, one of the people gets fired. Like he gets killed, but he gets fired because he didn't. He broke a rule. He broke a super simple rule that he assassinates someone who's part of one of the guild. He said, "Listen, it's an easy mistake, but we're gonna kill you." Sorry. 
It's it's they all follow the rules, and then I love that she goes to complain that uh, the leader of the skill goes to complain to Lord Vetinari, and Vetinari's like, yeah, well, yeah, do whatever, and she's like, come on. And then the ending is Lord Vetinari tells Vimes, I don't want you to investigate this any further. And then he's like, are you telling me to do to do what you didn't tell me to do? And he's like, what do you think, Vimes? Like, are you stupid? And then I love he has that moment of rebellion because this whole episode is about punk rock and sticking it to the man and giving them the finger. And you see me starts to raise his finger at Vetinari. Vetinari's like, is something wrong with your hand? No, sir. No, he says something's wrong. <laughs> yep. Yes, he's like he's like no sir, no sir, <laughs> because it's Lord Vetinari. She, they rule the city, and that's the job. So I'm liking this a little better. I think some of the big things is I'm curious what the next episode is going to be like because I think it's going to be this. They show that um, Carcer gets the sword. Carcer's seeming a little bit cooler. Also, we get a scene when um, the spell kind of backfires and they both see each other's minds. And we see that Carcer sees Vime's future where he's married to Lady Ramkin. So I'm curious if they're changing it up so that maybe Carcer is actually their kid. I mean, originally he's a horrible human being who gets hung because he's Vime's first collar. And it's a whole thing which is really cool. They changed it so much that he's like, oh, they were best friends and not part of the system. And I don't know. I am excited to see where this goes. This episode was a lot stronger than the first two episodes. But again, I think it was a mystery. Also, this felt more like a procedural. The other two, the first one felt kind of, eh. The first, first one, it's like, a dwarf, that's a dwarf. No, it's a human that was adopted by a dwarf. Why are these dwarfs different? That's Why is Vimes trying to arrest a dog who pisses on his leg and then he decides, I'm going to piss on you, dog? Yeah. Are you... Uh, He's drunk all the time, but... Now I'm going to watch it to get to where I am. Yeah, we now understand. And also you see that Vimes is re- really regrets his relationship with Carcer. And like part of him's like, Carcer was my friend. But the other part is Carcer killed the one person who believed in me to better myself. And I, and I took the coward's route by letting him fall. I could have saved him and arrested him, but instead I let him fall. He could have, so he did nothing. Which some people say is the more courageous thing, but that's not the courageous thing to do. That's kind of cowardly. But yeah, so this one, like I said, our middle of the ground review, which is worth watching once, streaming. Um, actually, just the, the rock scene was cool, though. I do like that they have the subtitles when they're talking. It's just really loud and obnoxious. The I like it. What do you think about the designs for the the um, the Assassin's Guild? Their masks. I. They're kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I like this, like the one, the number one assassin. I love it's like it's uh it's Karen for marketing. It's like, and then when they kill the guy, it's like, oh my god, Karen for marketing. What are you doing? I want to see more of her. But yeah, so that's uh, all we're gonna say for the watch. Um, if you watch it, let us know what you think. Har har, punny punny punny. So now let's get to Zoe season one, and you did spoil the first musical number, which was Hello, Yeah, but it's in the previews. It's in the previews, so I don't don't feel bad about it. And it works so well because it showed that everyone was happy to see her, but also because she's become the new boss. But they also did the 
um, dance where they kick and they just put their hands down by their butt, like kick and flick, just like the waiters do in the. It was an homage to it. I they but they they did it right. They did it respectful. They did it awesome. So in the uh, show proper, uh, it's been six weeks since her father died. She's been sulking at home. She goes back to work because she has to do something, and everyone's trying to get her to go. Moe's trying to get her to go. Max and Simon are trying to get her to go. Because you never, you never get over losing a loved one like that. You just have to learn how to live your life without them. Yeah. So you have to learn how to put your clothes back on and put your shoes on and get out the front door and eat your breakfast and get to work. And you just have to start living your life. And first she sees Max, who is still unemployed, uh, last season he quit. He lost his job and that was offered it back, but he didn't take it. He's going to do some things, and he gives uh, Zoe a super cool ring, which is like her superpower, but it does nothing. But it was cute because like, he it was still sweet. likes her, and he's trying to be just cool about it. Because they're not talking about the night, which was the night she found out that her father was going to die. They were making out after she was going to choose Simon. So awkward. And but was she though? Uh, we didn't. Uh, you didn't see the last episode, so yeah, you may have been choosing Simon. Then everything went to. Uh, he made her. He made her a lasagna. The night that her dad was dying. And a bunch of like the bag box of stuff to do. Yeah. So. They both love her. And yeah. It's, it's kind of. And they're rough. both good guys. Yeah, it's like do you go with the. Even though you could say that Simon wasn't a good guy because she destroyed his marriage. They weren't married yet, though. They were engaged. True. But I digress. So from here, we have loveliness that is um, Lauren Graham pretty much saying that she's now the CEO of SparkPoint and she's going to be going to Shanghai. So she wants Zoe, who is like her best friend, and her best worker, to be the next her. The boss of the fourth floor. To be her replacement. That's going on. Um, Leaf, who through half the series hated Zoe, but now respects her. So does um, the jerky asshole guy, his toady. Um, he's taken over. They hired a new hiree who is this fat, kind of sweet guy who's a little dumb. I think he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's just shy and he's, he's it's, this is probably his first job. I think he's always been awkward. Yeah. I'm trying to find his name. Uh, new actor for season two is... Uh, George? Yes, George. He seems like a good guy. He actually has one of the musical notes. Uh, he was hired. They he brought, has a great attitude. Yeah. Uh, also, they got rid of the food bar. Because money, which sucks. And so... She's stressed out the changes. She says, I'm going to go home. She goes to Mo to kind of relax. And when she walks in. All the guys are there. Well, Mo and the two guys are there. Right. Even though that is technically correct. Uh, but so Mo, Max, and Simon are there. And apparently they've been hanging out for the last six weeks in their buddy buddy. They've all been worried about her. They all love her. They started a group text. Then they start hanging out and they have like a regular thing. They go to trivia nights and they drink and they're really cool. And he's like, well, come in, have some fun. And you see Mo give Zoe a bottle of what a was it? big glass of wine. And she just downs and is like, I'm going home. And She's then like, it's a lot to take in. And she says, 
I'm not feeling so hot. I got to go home. Just forgot something. Uh, it's good seeing you guys. We'll talk later. And then they're wondering, what do we do? What are we going to order? And then this gives Max's idea that he's going to make a restaurant that sells the food from other restaurants. Right. Which seems kind of insane. But I... I mean, if you did like Gotham Market where you're a restaurant that has a bunch... Other, like, other pl- food from other places so that everybody can eat something different. But you I have get the, it. The, you have the delivery service from Gotham Market. That makes sense. Right. But I don't know. This is weird. It's going to be an app. I don't know. Maybe he's the one that created um, Grubhub. Right. Who knows? Uh, meanwhile, at home, uh, Zoe's mom is going crazy because she... Her husband just died. Yeah, her husband is dying, and she is trying to remember the basic things. She's of... not coping as well. No, she's not. Um, uh, Mary Stenburgen does a great job. Just so stressed about this. Like... She almost breaks down the phone because the assholes are not giving her her husband's password because their marriage license is on his web on his website, and she's so in the st- cloud. And she's gonna cry. You have her daughter-in-law who has a who, her and her son, her her son have not slept because they have a new baby and they're stressing out about it. And and they know that the mom would do well if she could hold the baby. Babies have magic powers. And she just doesn't want to just be so stressed. She hasn't held the baby yet. And that's a thing. Everybody's concerned. You know, everybody's... It's... Everybody has to learn how to move on. Yeah, it's just... And they're not yet. So, the MacGuffin of the show is that... um, The dad left videos. Yeah. Uh, who's it that finds the videos? It's uh, she finds the videos. Yeah, she finds the videos. Zoe finds the videos because she's the she 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 hacks. She's through. the coder. She's yep. the one that gets into the yeah. She hacks through, and... gets his stuff, and finds a bunch of videos left for them. And the thing is that the th- there are three videos, and they first watch Zoe's. And Zoe's it's rough because his voice it's near the end before he lost his voice. So her father played perfectly right by uh. Uh, Peter Gallagher sounds like a like really rough. Like he's like Zoe, listen. And then they go to her brothers, and it's a little better, but not worse. However, at the end, you have uh, her brother looking at them and shows her mom the one which is hers, and he's still coherent. He still he sounds okay. He just sounds like he has a little bit of a frog in his throat, but he's like. Honey, listen, I we got to talk about this, and I don't want you to mourn. And it's a message they all needed to hear. And it ends up where... And this show makes me cry. It makes you feel good. It uh, Zoe ends up taking the position, and before that, she tells Leaf, Listen, I like your plan. You're going to do the plan. You're taking my position, but I'm taking her position. I'm still your boss, but you're now in charge of these people. Listen, I want the bar. Because he back. wanted to be co-managers. Oh, but before that, she did have a blowout because he was sending her emails upon emails and she flipped out in the middle of the room. And she, she told everybody off, you know, like, I lost my dad. I'm not ready for this. Like, leave me alone. Because the guy uh, talked, uh, George talked to her about her dad and that kind of set her off, too. But she's like, everybody needs something from me and I can't. And she sees that George is being picked on. Here's his song that he's in because he's it's essentially the. Uh, I pretend I'm a f- I'm really good at my good and happy, but I'm really sad. I forgot the song. 
I can look it up right now. What is the song in this episode, in season two, episode one? Um, Don't Cry Out Loud by Melissa Manchester. Also, the two guys, when they first see her at the at Moe's house, like say, yeah, we're good. Everything's awesome. We've been hanging out. We watched the game. You got to pick, you got to pick up one of the teams if you're going to join us though. And then they start singing, are you going to be my girl by jet? So it's like, they're fine. Still in love with her. Yeah. But it's they're They're not going to be me mad at each other. Yeah. But they both still want to be with her. Yeah. And at the end, um, they, Carry on by fun is sung after they see the video because everything is getting back to normal and we're going to see where it all goes. So this season was well done. I like the first episode and it sets you up for a lot. Um, a lot of crying. I still but think good crying, like not like I think that the last episode of season one is still a topper, though. That episode gives you the. Especially the last and I've seen uh, it's the sequence with her and her uh, father, which is so which is a powerful sequence. And it's that and, of course, American Pie, which is the entire cast singing American Pie. You haven't seen it yet. No sad face. So, yeah, so that is what we're up to. And that's what we've watched this week. If you in next week, we'll get rid of one of these shows to watch WandaVision. Yay! I think it's next week. When is the 15th? Next week. Yay! What show are we going to drop for WandaVision, you think? The Stand! No! I don't know. We'll figure it out. Probably The Watch. Or name that tune. Probably name that tune. Yeah, and then we'll get to some of the other shows after that. I think we're going to... Because WB is going to start doing... uh, Stargirl Season 2. We might do Stargirl Season 2. Part See, of me wants to just marathon that. Yeah, but it's no it's no longer on... Um, it's no longer on uh, the DC Universe, because that's gone. True. It's on HBO Max. Uh, but that's it for this episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any comments or concerns, join our Discord or email me, zanspiker.com. Uh, check out our review of the latest Bondathon episode. We talk about the first installment of... Well... Daniel Craig. As Bond. James Bond. Uh, That is an issue I have with that movie, and we'll talk about that then. Have a good night. As usual, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and keep watching TV. See ya.